But anyway, back to spare. Um, Kinsey Schofield joins us. She is, of course, our royal commentator, our own royal correspondent. She's not just a commentator. We own her. It's Kinsey Schofield, <laughs> founder of todiefordaily.com. Do you mind being owned by us? Uh, Christo, I love you so much. You know it's you or no one else. Thank you. That was the right answer. I see you've been being a bit unfaithful lately, but I hope you're, I'm your number one still. Did you see that when I wrote my column or my little article for The Express, I talked about how I was on Christo's show? I didn't mention anybody else's show. Oh, I, was on. I didn't see that, but I will look for that now. Oh, well, okay. You are, you are well and truly um, redeemed because, of course, if you... I mean, you might have written an article in The Express saying that you love me. Um, however, I still will find something to put in a tell-all memoir, perhaps a look that I didn't like, perhaps, I don't know, at the age of 28, you'll have turned my bedroom into a dressing room. I'm pretty sure the first time we met, I was wearing bike shorts and you probably saw cellulite. So there you go. If that's what, if if you need the dirt, there's your dirt. Well, babes, you know, if, if we ever did a cellulite comparison, I, I would, <laughs> I'd be off the scale. Now, uh, talking of body parts and uh, body issues, um, let's talk about the pre-wedding dinner uh, that is outlined in Prince Harry's book, where he has dinner with the then Prince Charles and Prince William before he marries Catherine. And he talks about his jitters. And he says, I regaled the company with tales of the North Pole during this dinner. Pa was very interested, Pa being Prince Charles, and sympathetic about the discomfort of my frost-nipped ears and cheeks. And it was an effort not to overshare and tell him about my equally tender penis. Upon arriving home, I'd been horrified to discover that my nether regions were frost-nipped as well. And while the ears and cheeks were already healing, the todger wasn't. It was becoming more of an issue by the day. I don't know why I should have been reluctant to discuss my penis with Pa or all the gentlemen present. My penis was a matter of public record and indeed some public curiosity. The press had written about it extensively. There were countless stories in books and papers about Willie and me not being circumcised. Mummy had forbidden it, they all said. And while it's absolutely true that the chance of getting penile frostbite is much greater if you're not circumcised, all the stories were false. I was snipped as a baby. Um, he then goes on. You think that that's the end of No, him. it's not talking about but he goes on to talk about the extensive treatment oh. that he had about his penis um you know he he, he 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 talks about all of these different people that he'd had to go and see about it he had he'd been yeah. trying elizabeth arden eight hour cream on it but he was very um very vocal about his remedies christo very vocal i can't find the bit about the remedies what did he try Oh, here well, we go. I mean, here, here we go. I found it. I found it. Right, he he went we to see a doctor about it, a name and address given by a friend. He was taken into a back door into the office. <laughs> this is the, the, the penis clinic. And he sat behind... The, the doctor sat behind a wooden desk, presumably um, uh, looking at notes about the previous patient. I walked in. I watched him writing for what seemed like an inordinate long time. The poor chap who went before me, I thought, must have had a lot going on. Still, 
Still not looking up, the doctor ordered me to step behind the curtain. Take off my clothes. He'd be with me in a moment. I went behind, stripped, hopped onto the examination table. Five minutes passed. At last, the curtain pulled back and there was the doctor. He looked at me. He blinked once and said, Oh, I see. It's you. <laughs> yes. I thought you'd been warned, but I get the sense you hadn't. Right. So you're here. Right. OK. It's you. Remind me of the problem? I showed him my todger, softened by Elizabeth Arden. He couldn't see anything. Nothing to see, I explained. It was an invisible scourge. For whatever reason, my particular case of frostnip manifested as a greatly heightened sensation. How did it happen, he wanted to know. North Pole, I told him. I went to the North Pole and now my South Pole is on the fritz. His face said, curiouser and curiouser. I described the cascading dysfunctions. Everything's difficult, Doctor. Sitting, walking, sex, I added, was out of the question. Worse, my todger constantly felt it was having sex, or ready to. I was sort of losing it, I told him. I'd made the mistake of Googling this injury, and I'd read horror stories about partial penectomies, a phrase you never want to come across when Googling your symptoms. The doctor assured me it would be unlikely I'd need one of those. Unlikely? He said he was going to try and rule out other things. He gave me a full examination, which was more than invasive. No stone unturned, so to speak. The likeliest cure, he announced at last, would be time. What do you mean, time? Time, he said, heals. Really, Doc? That hasn't been my experience. And by saying that, he's actually referring to the stress and the, the lack of healing over the death of his mother. Um, right, right. And he's, uh, you know, that that's also on top of that. He mentions during while putting the Elizabeth Arden cream on the Todger, feeling Diana's presence in the room. I wonder how many people went over this with this man and high fived him afterwards and said, great job. This sounds totally kosher. I'm Christo, he's, he talks about his wiener over 15 times in this book. He does. I, let me just read you that bit. You, you have just referred to it. Would you like to hear that bit? Yeah, um, of course. Basically, uh, my penis was oscillating between... This is before he'd gone to the doctor. My penis was oscillating between extremely sensitive and borderline traumatised. I know how it feels. There's the one time I've got something in common with Harry's penis. I'm borderline traumatised. Um, the last place I wanted to be was Frostnipistan. Mildly racist. Um, I'd been trying some home remedies, including one recommended by a friend. She'd urged me to apply Elizabeth Arden cream. My mum used that on her lips. You want me to put that on my todger? It works, Harry. Trust me, said the friend. I found a tube... And the minute I opened it, the smell transported me through time. I felt as if my mother was right there in the room. Then I took a smidge and applied it down there. Weird doesn't really do the feeling justice. So his mother was in the room with him while he was applying eight-hour cream to his penis. Before then, he compared the fact that the doctor told him it would take time to heal his penis with the fact that time hadn't healed his angst over his mother's death. I'm sure 
Diana years ago when thinking of how she might be might be immortalized by the writings of her children would have been thrilled to know that she took such center stage when it came to Harry's penis problems. Oh my, I mean, I think we said this last week, too much of this sounds like parody and it's real. It's really, really, really real. Everything Christo just read you is not a joke. No. That's actually in the book. It's, it's absolutely, I'm reading directly from the book. Uh, it is quite staggering. I mean, I've got so many sections here. What, what were the other standout ones? Now you've read it cover to cover, because last week we were doing it sort of based on the on what had been reported. But what have you actually, um, now you've seen it cover to cover, what have been the sections? Someone's just tweet texted me, by the way, just saying the word sick. Exactly. Let me just say something that I'm kind of embarrassed to say. Okay. If this were about, if this were just like a, a bitter guy, okay, so let's pretend if this was Randy Spelling writing about his family, Tori Spelling, like if this were about another dynasty that I weren't completely in, you know, committed to and completely in love with, I think I would eat this up. I yeah. mean, minus all the all the wiener talk. I think that, oh, ooh, perhaps, definitely not. Perhaps, an, definitely it, not. perhaps not, not the most appropriate expression when you're talking about. I, yeah, that's, I, I apologize. This, but, is a, this is a family show. <laughs> I think, I think we passed, I think the family line was passed about uh, 20 minutes ago. But anyway, go on. But because I'm so in love with this family, I am very protective of them. And so I can't just consume I couldn't just consume it as like enjoying the gossip, enjoying the drama, because I was like, oh, I can't believe he's putting that this out there. But if this were about any other dynasty that I didn't love the way I do, I think I would be really interested in it. And I actually thought the beginning of the book I, you know, I'm a little, I'm a little hard on Harry, but oh gosh, I keep saying things that are inappropriate, that sound inappropriate when we're talking about the Wang. But I thought that the, the stuff about Diana was sincerely sad. Yeah, I think it's really okay. Let's talk about the bits of the book where, actually, it's you think it's fair and reasonable. I think it's 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 really difficult. I think you'd have to have a heart of stone to not feel desperately sad for the way in which um, he misses his mother and the trauma that he still feels over her death. Without a doubt, that's a part of the book that's really sad. And actually, um, the part of the book um, that I was expecting to be the most angry at him about, which is the final section where he outlines the issues that him and Meghan faced, I actually found myself feeling quite sorry for them both during that section because why Christo? i'll tell you why because clearly I, i'm not saying they're perfect and i'm not saying that they that, that he's right to to outline it in the way he has because of course you know it's all completely one-sided but clearly without a doubt megan did not fit in megan did Christo, not that's gel you and I have been beating this drum for two years now. They just don't get along with her. She, they just think she's a pain. Yeah. There's nothing about race. There's not, you know, it, it's 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 the fact that she's an American. She's self-made. She's she doesn't communicate kindly. It, she just doesn't fit in, and, and that's what this and, all boils down to. And it's funny that the the, the bits that they talk about, where. Um, the bits he talks about where he says, you know, uh, people just sort of didn't gel with Meghan. And, and I don't understand why, because she 
she's so kind she constantly asks people how they are if you you know she constantly sends gifts to people she's constantly uh, you know out of her own pocket sending them things and she's constantly writing to them and she's constantly you know presenting them with gifts and 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 he was saying so why would no one like her and i read that thinking well we don't like that in britain you know especially the british establishment if you go barging in and you sort of like, I want to be your best friend and let's throw my arms around you, let buy you loads of gifts and let me try and be, you know, all over you. People get turned off by that. People don't right. like it. There was clearly, I don't think it was a race. I think you're absolutely right. I don't think it was racist. But there was a cultural clash that he could not get his head around. He could not understand why people found her irritating and brash and very, very American. And I think every single bit of resentment that he'd had in the previous two parts of the book, which were quite annoying, I think mm -hmm. then boiled over when they didn't like her. And I also think that he had put... And I'm not, I'm not saying he's right to do any of this. I'm just trying to decipher how he's ended up so insane. He also, I think, put everything into the fact that I'm the spare, woe is me, everything's awful, no one likes me, no one considers me, everything's bad, William looks down at me, he doesn't want to know me, Charles doesn't consider me, Camilla's evil, all of this list, he thought, but when I meet the love of my life, it'll all get resolved and we'll all be one big happy family. And when that didn't happen, he had a disproportionate response. And I feel a bit sorry for him for that. And secondly, and then I'll let you talk, sorry, because I feel like I've spoken loads. Um, I think that, that I feel a bit sorry for them because they are clearly both complete narcissists because yes. there is not one headline he has not addressed. There is not one headline in here that he doesn't regale and talk about. And I don't know why they said that about Meghan, because Meghan didn't make this person cry. And then on the 17th of December, they said this headline about her. And if they are reading all of that, of course they went insane. Of course they did, because they're reading everything, absolutely everything, and they're letting it get to them. So that's why I felt a bit sorry for them, because I think they lost the plot. Crystal, remember, they told us that they don't look at headlines, that they don't look at the newspapers and they don't look at social media. Like, yeah. it's another it's another contradiction. It's another lie. Yeah, that is true, because they do, clearly. They absolutely yeah. do, because every single thing, every single headline, every single negative thing written about him, written about Meghan, he talks about in this book. And it's it's it gets to the point where it's a bit weird. In fact, he actually speaks about how he's addicted to the press. To his almost like, almost like he, you know, he has an addictive personality, maybe. And instead of, well, I mean, there, Tom Bauer is out there saying right now that he thinks Harry is addicted to marijuana, among other things. So well, he Tom speaks Bowers, openly about how he goes outside and rolls a spliff in the evening. I mean, I don't yeah. know whether that makes you addicted, but clearly he likes well, to smoke. And I suppose if it was either, I suppose if you're looking at the scale of addictions. You know, being addicted to reading newspapers is probably better than being addicted to psychedelics. For sure. I, I don't know exactly what he, what Tom Bauer, Tom Bauer says that there's only certain things he can say without uh, without a lawsuit coming his way, but he has hinted at, at that. But, you know, I just think 
what you know were you not challenged as a young man to be an almost 30 year old man complaining about your old bedroom in like the fifth or sixth house that you have a bedroom in turning into your stepmother's closet i'm sorry i can't relate to that that's yeah. i mean christo was he 28 years old 28 when he's years old meltdown and, and and she turned one of the his bedroom in clarence house this wasn't his bedroom in highgrove or any of the others or anything else but he, he she turned it into his dress into her dressing room and he actually said you know i was supposed to not to care but i, I really did care and it's like you're 28 i understand if you go to uni at 18 and you come back and the bedroom's gone you'd be like well this is sort of still my home but he was 28 there was also the section about when he went for christmas at sandringham and ended up with one of the small rooms on the top floor and how that was representative of how he he, he was sort of inconsequential to the family and it, it's so weird how he seems to have every single thing, it, even the joke. Remember there was the section as well where him and William gave an interview with each other, two, the two of them to a, to a journalist, where they were living with each other. And William jokes, oh, Harry snores when I live with him. He's terrible and he's really messy. And he goes in great detail, so I didn't snore. And I said it at the time, and I wonder now whether it was part of a deep-rooted angst that William had towards me, uh, because I couldn't have been snoring, because he wouldn't have heard me, because the, the walls of that cottage were really thick, and it's like... It's a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> it's a joke. But he seems yeah. to micro-analyse everything, and, and, his, and his conclusion every single time is he's a victim. Right. Well, uh, you know, do, do we think that this stems from the... I mean, I hate to, sorry to say this, but it's Diana that really made the air and spare commentary when, when she was alive uh, to the point where they would joke with Paul Burrell and call him Good King Harry, or no, Good King Henry. They would call him Good King Henry as a joke because she always said she felt so sorry that he was not going to be the king. And, she, you know, she just felt sympathy for the position he was in. So do we look at this obsession he has with not being good enough is that commentary that started with his mother? I'm not sure. No, you're right, and and it is, because he seems to, to... Well, let me respond to that. We'll take a quick break, and then we'll respond to that, because I think there's a lot of contradictions in where what is going on here, and um, there's a lot of therapy. Uh, I think that he's had a lot. I think he needs a lot. <laughs>